Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. We're joined by John Kenny, and he's known as the Relationship Guy. And he's also the founder of Interpersonal Relationship Coaching. He's author of People Program Book, and he's also a speaker and documentary maker. So, hello to John. Hello, Shelley. How are you? I'm all right. I need to take a breath. There, that's quite an achievement you've got there, isn't it? <laughs> so, bless you. A few things. Yeah, so so much things, so much positivity, but I'm assuming at some point it wasn't always the way. So please do share your positive change. Oh, massively positive change. Um, in a nutshell, it was when I realised that I didn't like myself very much internally, uh, and I was always seeking external validation. And then I realised that exactly what I was doing and stopped. <laughs> Simple. Simple. <laughs> Simple over the course of a course of about 15 years. <laughs> Bless you. So when you say you didn't like yourself inside and it come from external sources, is this like your childhood or school days? Yeah, so mostly childhood. Um, so I learned how to relate to myself and uh, fit in, um, hide certain parts of my personality, which is what the documentary is about, because I didn't feel accepted as a child and put on uh, a certain mask in order to try and feel accepted. So I got all my positive uh, feedback from being a certain way. So if I acted in a certain way, that would get me attention. Uh, sometimes it wasn't necessarily positive attention, um, but it, it would get me seen. And um, that led me to believe that I had to be somebody else in order to feel accepted. So I never really accepted myself because of that. Okay, so do you feel like you had a bad childhood? Was it just a normal childhood and that's how you felt? Uh, some of it was bad. Um, if you read my book, you'll kind of get a better idea of what I was like, because that's where, that's what the book's about. The book, the first half of the book is kind of my upbringing, life story, how I learned to kind of uh, evaluate myself and my relationships. Um, it wasn't terrible. Uh, my parents did the best they could, but they had their own issues. Yeah. And their issues played out into my life. Um, so they really struggled with themselves. So they weren't able to be fully um, aware of me and weren't, weren't able to show me the love, affection, guidance and stuff that I needed when I was growing up. Um, they had their own issues and that sometimes was pretty um, traumatic for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was all about how I interpreted the environment I grew up in and my perceptions and beliefs that I built around that. That led me to reject who I was. So you say you had a positive change. Was that like a life-changing event, a realization? What brought it, was, it on? Yeah, it was a realization. It was when I uncovered what my core belief about myself was. So I've always struggled with who I am, and I've always, as like I said, looked for external validation to make me feel good about myself. And I, when I was training as a hypnotherapist we did a core belief exercise and that completely shifted my 
uh, idea about who I was because I recognized that all the limiting beliefs I held about myself came from my one core belief, which was I'm never going to amount to anything. So once I was able to understand that, I was able to say, okay, if that's what you deep down truly believe, how do you change that perception of yourself? And so I started to dis disregard that belief and put yeah. it to one side. And every time it would come up and say, no, John, that's not true. This is now true. And I would tell myself something new, which would then replace my old belief system. And that just freed me from this kind of chains that I was carrying around uh, all of my life and I felt this kind of huge lift weight lifted off of me and since then my my business my relationships everything has taken a completely different positive direction and I don't don't doubt myself okay that's a lie I do doubt myself <laughs> occasionally <laughs> um, I do slip back into the because it's a belief it's it's a concrete part of my my brains and my neurons so it's still there and occasionally it does kick in, but I've got an alternative now to tell it and say, okay, you don't believe that anymore. It may take me a few hours sometimes to come to come to that conclusion. I know that I've gone back into that space. Whereas before it would take weeks, months, years even of, yeah. of self-destruction for me to then find something that would positively change it for me. I can now say after a few hours of being in that space, um, I don't do this anymore. This is what you do now. You believe in yourself now. Um, so go and do something about it. That's fabulous. And I think a lot of people will relate to that because we all have those things like where you have a bad day, like somebody doesn't like your post on social media or you don't get recognition at work or your children, you know, they don't listen. And you do have to do that positive self-talk, but it's not always that simple. Do, do you have an actual tool to like consolidate that learning? Um, initially, I used to do a lot of affirmations. Okay. and instilling new beliefs into myself so when I first realized what I was doing so this was probably about four years ago five years ago um, when I first started this change it was really a lot of self-talk yeah. a lot of um, kind of dispelling the old beliefs and sort of saying you don't do this anymore you don't believe this anymore what you believe is this this is how you feel about yourself and it took me a while to kind of build the neurons that needed to fire off to become part of my subconscious so now I don't really need to um, work too hard at, at yeah. sort of changing the effects of where I am but it does sometimes take me a while to realize I've, I'm not in the right space yeah um, and I think we're all guilty of that I think like even myself as an author on positive changes I still have those like duvet days and things like that yeah. but we need it you know we're not we're not like robots we do have to have these good and bad the light and dark to make us whole i believe really so what okay. kind of affirmations do you use you said about affirmations yeah so i started off saying things like you're okay you know um it wasn't it's always a positive and never a negative it's never an it's never a a backhanded compliment it's like where i was like no it's not that you won't amount to anything you will amount to something it was never the the I never mentioned the negative. It's always about focusing on the positive. But because I was really struggled with who I was at the time, I was trying these positive affirmations and they just, my brain was going, you don't believe that. Yeah. You, don't believe that. you don't believe that. You don't believe that. And it was really a struggle for me to get. So I just started off really tough. Okay, so what can I say that I might accept? All right, so do I accept that I'm okay? And my brain was like, yeah, you're okay. So I sort of started off saying, John, you're okay. 
And then it was, no, John, you're really good. No, John, you can do this. You're worth it. You're, you know. And now, without using a swear word, which I usually <laughs> use, so if, if I am having a struggle, I look in the mirror and I say, John, you're freaking awesome. Yeah. And that, I feel now, just saying that, I get goosebumps and stuff, and it's really kind of resonates with me before. Uh, it would just it would just be completely dismissed. Um, That's fabulous. Mm. I love that. And I think because you're really honest and you're saying, like, actually, I used to say, like, oh, you're all right. <laughs> and then you've gone up to the other end of the scale. And I think... Mm. You know, that's so true that you don't start at a positive point sometimes. You have to start really, really gentle. And people say, oh, well, you know, positive affirmations don't work. But it's like, if anything, if you don't work, then nothing works. So you have to say, like you said, you've got the goosebumps. So you know it's working. It's not just, you know, words. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, and you can't just throw something at you you don't believe. No matter how many times you're going to say it, it's not true. Because your brain's saying this, it's not true. I don't accept that. Yeah. You're going far too far in the opposite direction. So it's about finding, okay, what could I accept, which is negative? What's a positive that I could accept that my brain will go, eh, you know what, that's, you know, okay. Um, so that's where I started. I started off on a very basic acceptance, which is you're okay. And so do you think like with these positive beliefs and these positive words to ourselves, our positive self-talk that can change your life? Definitely. I think also tied in with that and not going to the work that I do is uncovering belief systems yeah and I think what really enabled me to instill new new ways of thinking was by uncovering the old systems so when I, the work that I do is around uncovering our patterns yeah. our beliefs our the meanings we give to things the perceptions that we've got of certain things and saying, okay, we need to challenge that if that's not doing us any good. Because we can instill lots of lots of new beliefs, but if we're still carrying the old ones, there's going to be a fight between the two yeah. on a regular basis for you to be able to move forward as quickly and as, as successfully as you want to. So I think it's also really important to say, that's not true anymore, this is true. So that you can have that internal dialogue with yourself, which, you know, you, which gives you that kick up the backside or the bump up that you need to let go of the past and, and get yourself into a new space. That's what I think personally. Well, you see, I write about self kicks. Are you right? It's <laughs> 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 <As> a fact. <laughs> so, when you're, so when you're going out there and you've got these beliefs and that, and you say you've got the good and the bad and things like that, you mentioned that you're a clinical hypnotherapist. So are you going into the subconscious, like the deep childhood thoughts? No, I don't now. Um, my, my, my personal preference is that if I can do this consciously, I think it's a lot more powerful because when I first started hypnotherapy, I was getting quite a few people coming back and saying, I didn't do this, you did it. Yeah. But they, they didn't have that belief in themselves. So okay. I use hypnotherapy now for what's called hypnoanalysis. So if there are subconscious blocks or subconscious events that we can't, get to on the surface of discussion and exploration, then I'll do a hypnoanalysis and I'll take the people back into their childhood when these issues first started to take shape. And just to the moment where the, we asked the subconscious to go back to the, the time when it, when it just started, um, so we can see what events might have triggered that off in the first place. Sorry, my cat's just put a paw on my computer. <laughs> just pressing buttons <laughs> <laughs> is it because you've got a mouse for your computer 
Oh, warped humour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I use that's why I use the hypnotherapy now. It's really just as a um, okay, we can't really get to this bit. We don't really know why this is happening. Let's have a look into your subconscious and see if your subconscious can help us out to remember why this is the case. Um, but um, yeah, so I I do do a little bit of hypnotherapy sometimes, but I I find that I prefer to work in a way where the client walks away saying I did this. Yeah, I'm empowered to, with this space and in this change, and that that seems to to me to work more effectively long term. Yeah, I mean, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, but I totally get what you're saying. That sometimes people think there's a loss of control, and how can I maintain this at home? It's why I'm saying, like, do you believe by saying positive self talk can change your life? And you said yes. I was like, I love that because <laughs> at the end of the day we live with ourselves. Do you know what I mean? And it's our relationship with ourselves that we have to work on. So really we need to be able to be, be empowered, do the changes, do the self-talk. So I love the fact that whilst you also a clinical hypnotherapist, you're saying you've got this, you can do it. Cause I think people can start today with that. Can't they? Of course. Of course. Yeah. You just have having that, having that belief in yourself that you can, not that anything is possible because not anything is possible. I can't run as fast as Usain Bolt, no matter how much I tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could have trained and been confident and done everything anyone had ever asked of me, and I still wouldn't have run 9.5 or 100 metres. Uh, I've, I've used that analogy because I used to be an athlete. Um, okay. <laughs> so actually, you have actually tried <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to run for Great Britain many, many, many moons ago, but I was never going to run that fast. So we have to recognise our own limitations and just say, well, that is the best I can do. But so long as we know we've done our best, um, that's, that's, that's hopefully you're going to allow that to be good enough. Um, so it is about just saying, okay, I need to do this for myself. I can do this for myself. And so long as I know that I'm doing my best at this, I will reach the level of success, happiness, fulfillment that I, that I can reach. Yeah, I love it. I like to believe that I could be or anyone actually running and I don't run and if you see me running I'm probably being chased a call for help but <laughs> I like to have the thought that I can achieve anything in life but I love the way you're telling it because you're just sort of like just you know start small have a go don't set the high goal post like I do and I think it's <laughs> lovely do you know what I mean I think I honestly do I'm not being like awkward or anything because I would always set really high standards for myself think right I'm going to go running on the dog walk later but I love what you're saying that you can do the self-talk at home. You can set your own sort of standards and things like that. And I think yeah. you're going to help so many people. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, no, I think, again, like I said, that's the way I, I work. And I think for me, that has the best results for the people I work with. So you said about, or just spoke about the relationship with ourselves, but also you are the relationship guy. So yeah. tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so my, my um, relationship experience has kind of evolved from being a counsellor. So I was originally trained as a counsellor about 15 years ago. And uh, my supervisor was always telling me that Jan was really good at the relational stuff. So how people relate to themselves, but how they are affected by relationships um, and the kind of relationships they bring in and attract into their lives. And so when I moved into the coaching, I originally then moved into kind of just general coaching and then um, moved into the kind of the relationship side of things. So I was working a lot with people that were struggling with uh, toxic and unhealthy relationships and how to manage those in a healthier way to either get rid of these relationships or manage your mindset so that you're in a healthy space within these relationships. 
Um, and now I've moved on to helping people to find quality relationships. So there's a, uh, I think it's a Yale study. It's a 75 year study into the, the quality of life. And they concluded at the end of this 75 year study that your quality of life is directly linked to the quality of your relationships. So now I help people to find quality relationships um, rather than either finding the same kind of destructive spaces that they find themselves in um, or some people those are the kind of few people that I've been working with recently that have spent a lockdown on their own they've spent far too much time maybe focusing on their businesses now they want a more of a relationship type business balance and so I help them to to kind of get themselves into the right space to go this is the kind of relationship I want how do I f allow that in and so it's about people saying I understand what my relational patterns are I understand the relationship I have with myself and I know that that's attracting a certain type of person into my life. How do I get the right person? How do I get that quality um, and that fulfillment from, from a relationship that I'm looking for? Yeah. And I guess that goes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, the beliefs that we carry about ourselves. So like if you think like, I'm not good enough, I'm not a good person when I'm loved, I'll be loved. So does that all like tie in together? Like the belief systems along with the relationship guy? Yeah. So the relationship, is not only it's the relationship you have for yourself but also your expectations of relationships right. so if you feel like i did that relationships are unfulfilling unsustainable and don't bring you much joy my default space as a kid was to spend time on my own so i was safest playing in my bedroom with my toys in my own space where i couldn't get hurt yeah so therefore as i then started to go out into the world of relationships as a, as a young adult I would have a tendency to choose females to have relationships with that would lead me to want to be by myself. Okay. Because I didn't believe that relationships were healthy. I didn't believe that they were good for me as sustainable and happy, happy places. So I would choose people that proved to me that that was true. And I was always better off on my own. And that was always my end goal. My end goal was always to be by myself because that's where I felt safest. Wow. Okay. Even though I was pretty miserable, in that space especially repeating disastrous and destructive relational patterns which would cause me a lot of discomfort um that was that was always my aim and i was always looking for an out whenever i was in a relationship with someone i was always saying how can i get out of this yeah. so i'd go into a relationship knowing i didn't really want to be there go through this whatever it was that i was going through so if it was a nice person i would destroy it generally and if it was someone based on my relationships with my parents then I would get treated in a specific way that I didn't matter. It was all about them all the time. I could then get resentful and go, ah, oh, this is rubbish and finish it. Or, I bet that's really common, isn't it? That you either like do the opposite of your childhood or you still got the damage from the childhood and that's what you look for. But I find it really interesting that you, were you aware at the time that you're going into a relationship wanting to come out of it already? Were you aware that was your mindset? I wasn't. I no. wasn't. No, no. Until I heard um, Robbie Williams' song, Feel, one of the lines, I think it says something like it goes, I was always looking for an ending at the start. Okay. And I thought, oh, that sounds a bit, <laughs> what I might be doing. I mean, all this was years ago, but again, that kind of sort of went out of my head. And then when I started working really on myself and the self-development stuff, I came back to that. I thought, actually, I think that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and when I really explored that, that's exactly what I was doing. And it was only when I figured out why I was doing it. So I realized that being by myself was my safe space. 
thought, no wonder I'm trying to look for an out all the time before I even get in there. And I can, can completely commit, you know, I'm an avoidant as, as relationships are concerned. If you look, you know anything about attachment theory, um, I like to be full on for six months. And then my brain goes, not safe, not safe, not safe. What you can you do? You need to do something, get out now. Okay, well, you pick this person because this is a reason for you to escape in the first place. And then that reason comes. Then you go, okay, this relationship's over because of this reason. And I was off. So there's different types. Mm, sorry? So there's different types of relationships. There's lots of different types, yeah. So there's, uh, if you, I mean, attachment's very, very basic. In that it says there's an avoidant. So that's someone who likes to run away from commitment. Okay. Because their brain has put certain things in place which says commitment doesn't work for me. Or it's not really commitment, it's actually connection. Connection doesn't work. I need to be away from this. As soon as a connection gets to a, a certain level of depth, their brain says, this is what we experienced when we were younger. This was very painful. You need to now switch off and walk away from this. Or remove yourself as much as you can from the situation. Uh, then we have anxious people. So they have anxious attachments. So they're the ones that would probably be screaming, shouting, holding on to their kind of parents' hands and desperate for attention. And every time that attention is withdrawn, there's a lot of screaming, shouting. They become very anxious and don't really know yeah. what to do with their emotion. Uh, avoidance and, and anxious people have a tendency to be quite attracted to each other because there's a full-on from the avoidant person at the start, which makes the anxious person feel safe. Yeah. Then the avoidant starts to run away and then the anxious person will chase them. So yeah. they're, they're very well matched in a, in a maladaptive, unhealthy space. Um, then you have someone who's anxious and avoidant. So they're, they're pretty screwed <laughs> up, to be honest. <laughs> they sound like they'd be chasing their tails. They're doing both. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're so in and out. They don't know what they want. They want it. Yeah. They don't want it. Someone pulls away. They get anxious. Then they get it back and then they run away again and then they chase it again. And it's, and it's a very destructive space. And then there's a secure person who's had a secure upbringing. They've had love, nurturing, encouragement, support, and they're very secure within themselves. And they then don't need to follow any kind of trait uh, in, in a type of relationship. And they're only looking for something that's good for them. Uh, and that's the space I try and help people to get into, into that secure space where they're secure within themselves and they won't, let, they won't allow someone into their life, which is going to cause them any kind of destruction or discomfort. Thanks for sharing that. I found that fascinating. So if you're an avoidant or anxious, can you then change the beliefs like we were saying, or obviously work with yourself, the relationship guy, quick plug, <laughs> and then you can turn them into a secure person. It doesn't matter what your childhood's done. As long as you're healing and dealing with it and having those like realizations, can you become the secure person? Yeah. Yeah. Because these, again, they're, they're based in beliefs. You, you know, your brain will run away from pain towards pleasure. Um, so, you know, you're basically just trying to run away from pain when you're, when you're acting out in this kind of way. And we try and get people to go, okay, so what's my pleasure? Um, but unfortunately, then we've got people that are very away from and towards people. So there's either people that run away from things to, to, for motivation. So you need to help them to understand what their pain is, to run away from that to get a positive result. Or you have people that are very towards uh, so then you help them to go to look for something positive, which they can then move towards. If you try and work with someone who's a towards person and delve into their pain, they're not really going to, they're not motivated to change mm. because that's not what motivates them. They want to look for something positive and go, oh, I want need to move towards this because this is amazing. Right. If you're working with a, an away from person and you say, oh, come on, let's think of your goals. Let's think of the kind of relationship you want. 
And they'll go, ah, but mm. that's not really <laughs> motivating me to change. So then you have to go, okay, what's your pain? What are you trying to get away from? You know, what don't you want to experience anymore? And then we can help to motivate them to go, okay, well then I don't want this. So then what's the alternative? Um, and work on it in a, in, a, in a different way. So it's, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of different people out there thinking completely different things. And yeah. it's about them understanding what it is that they're, that they're going through, um, what they're carrying with them, and then saying, do you want to do that anymore? No, or what's your alternative? And let's, let's move towards that instead. I find it fascinating, like when you're saying about the avoidant type and the anxious type, where you've got them sort of like, because you know, it makes sense, the avoidant person's full on to start with, the anxious person gets it. And I'm like, my God, I've seen that in so many people so many times. Mm. And yeah, so like, especially with the anxious person, then goes, what's going on here? I don't understand. They what did I do? Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they must have been lying to me. You know, oh, none of this was real. And then they feel massively devastated because they feel like they've been led on all the time. I can almost guarantee for the period of time that that person was really into you, they believe that was true as well. Yeah. You know, they're generally not that emotionally manipulative. Okay. I'm not saying that's not always the case, but you know, most people, and I know from experience, when they're in it, they're in it. And they might say they love you and they might be bringing you flowers every day and they might be at your beck and call and they might do everything to make you feel great. And in that space, that's what they feel like. They want to do that. It's when they reach the depth of connection that they're uncomfortable with is when the avoidance stuff kicks in. I think that'll help loads of people, but there's loads of girls and men out there just going like, oh, okay, my evil ex, I get it now. Do you know what I mean? Like in that moment, it was true. Okay. It was true. And yeah. Because you believe it to be true when you're in that space. Um, and you'll buy into it because someone is convincing you. that, And because it's real. For them, it is real. So it's not like... You know, it's not fake. And that's why you buy into it, because it feels real. Yeah. And at that moment, it is real. But then if you've got, you've got any hang-ups, then when they kick in, it, will, it can all change. Yeah. I think it will really help people, because, like, you know, obviously many relationships come to an end. And people always go, what do I do wrong? And they just search for answers. Like, a bit like a grief, isn't it? Like, when you lose a relationship, there's always, what can I have done better? What did I say wrong? When actually it's more of a psychology, almost, as in to why... It turned yeah. out the way it did. An anxious person will create anxiety as well. Yeah. Because that's their space. So if everything is nice and calm and they maybe find a secure person, they have a tendency to create drama. Yeah. You know, an avoidant may create the drama to escape, but generally they just shut down and leave. But an anxious person is likely to be the person that can't sit in a calm space or a peaceful space or a content space. Um, and they'll, they'll create a certain amount of chaos to create the anxiety because they're not used to being out of anxiety in relationships. So they, they'll, they'll start to throw spanners in the works and create a certain amount of drama just so they can then recreate. And then the person will then, if they're a secure person, they'll go, oh, it's okay, don't worry, everything's yeah. fine. And then they'll feel, okay, you know, I can get rid of my anxiety, I can feel comfortable again. But they, they, unless they work on where their anxiety, anxious sign of attachment comes from, they are then further down the line going to create some more issues because they're not used to being outside of anxiety. I love it. You explain it so well. And you're the relationship guy, but if people don't come to you, is that what the book's about? Is the book how people can help themselves? Yeah. So the people program is, um, like I said, the first half is about me. So it explains my upbringing, why I learned to see myself in a specific way 
and why I learned to do relationships in a specific way. And the second part of the pro of the book is the program itself. So there are uh, six sections. The P stands for certain. P is your problems, emotions, how you operate, uh, the patterns that you exhibit, the likelihood of what your life's going to be like if you continue, and then how you can put all of the things you've learned during the book together to change your life uh, is E, is enhance. So um, it helps people to work through in very small stages to ask themselves the questions that they need to ask themselves to understand where they're coming from. So is it like a self-help book? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully people are going to be able to relate to that, take what they need from it and put things into practice that are going to help them to change. So can you share today one tool that's in there that people can use as a starting block? Um, so the first thing is the problem. Yeah. Um, probably the most important part is your patterns. Um, so what are your patterns? What do you recognize as a familiar story in your head, in your life, that you keep finding yourself in a similar situation? Um, because that will be the loop that you're going around in. So you might find that you're single and then you're in a destructive relationship and then you're single in a destructive relationship for you to notice the pattern that you're in. Because once you notice the pattern that you're in, you know, okay, and I can see what I'm doing now. Um, and then there are certain tools that you can then put into place, which help you to break that cycle. So do people have to have a awareness or a niggle before they go to your book or could the book help them? Yeah, I think people can just read it and just see if it resonates with them in any way. Because 95% of the population uh, statistically go around just living in their own space. So they don't realise they've got a problem. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, they, again, this will highlight to someone, oh, actually, you know what? I do that. This happens in my life. And, and I, didn't, I didn't actually realise. Wasn't, that wasn't in my consciousness that that, that was something that was going on. Uh, so yeah, if, if you, you know, if anyone's interested in personal development or understanding themselves at a deeper level, then the book will help you to do that. Um, it may not mean that you've got a huge amount of problems that you need to resolve, but it also may uncover something that you didn't realise existed. Yeah, and I love things like that, just that, you know, the greater awareness of self. I think it's such a valuable tool, so I absolutely love that. Yeah. So we're talking about personal relationships, sort of like we're with people and, you know, they're a bit don't know the word you say like toxic how would you recognize a pattern in like a work situation would you choose a negative work situation as well is it all it's relationships yeah yeah i mean that's slightly different so in my experience i've noticed that if you've had a good schooling you're generally okay at work okay that's not a hundred percent but as a pattern that i've noticed it's people that struggle with their personal relationships or then struggle with personal relationships. If they've had issues at school, then generally they'll have issues at work. Okay. Because you play out that dynamic of being in that type of group of people where you feel like you need to fit in. Um, and I've noticed that's happened quite a lot with people that they struggle with work, they're maybe bullied or then overlooked for promotion. And then you think you look at their schooling and it's like, well, I was bullied. I wasn't in the top set of stores. I was ridiculed i was judged this teacher picked on me or something like that and you can oh, okay well, we can see that playing out in your work life and then when we look at their personal stuff or this is what has happened at home this is how i felt and then this is going on in their personal relationships 
And yeah. it's really interesting that there, there is a correlation between the two. I haven't done any kind of research on this. It's just from my personal experience of working with clients that I've noticed there is a link with, with quite a lot of people where that, as that playing out. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. I like my background's nursing. There's little things that's not research based, it's Shelley based. <laughs> but you just think, hang on a minute, that's a coincidence. And then it mm. keeps happening. You're like, this is beyond coincidence. It, you know, it's almost a pattern in itself sort of thing. Yeah. So a part of the part of the book is about how, how to overcome your blocks to success. And that's in any walk of life. If you have a specific type of relational pattern, whether that be with personal relationships or work relationships, that will, that will constantly come up. Mm -hmm. No matter how much, how many jobs you change, yeah, that's always going to exist because that's how you do relationships. So you're going to find yourself attracted to certain roles or certain people and certain things that will keep playing out in the background, and you will always find yourself in that space. Do you think this is why people struggle to find like a job that suits them, like a life purpose? They're thinking, right, like, like myself, maybe, John. <laughs> You do nursing, then clinical hypnotherapy, then past life regression. Now I'm an author. Is it because there's a pattern? I, I go for certain things, or is it just that I wasn't on my path? Well, you know, it sounds like you are a helper. Okay. You know, so you come from, you've been through the helping. Same with me. I've always worked in shops. I sold insurance. I sold clothes and sportswear. Then I became a firefighter. So again, helping people. Then I. Um, moved into counseling helping people yeah coach helping people but that was my detriment as well as my um as well as my gift so i wanted to help people but i didn't want to be a firefighter i didn't like being a firefighter i thought it was quite boring most of the time and i didn't like the unpredictability of it yeah uh, because you had no idea what you were going to be faced with from one day to the next and that didn't play well with my sense of certainty that I like to be a little bit more in control than that. Um, and I had no idea. So I was going at the whim of everybody else. I didn't like that. So it didn't suit me as a career, but as a helper, it was really good because I would be doing my bit for the community and making sure people were safe and saved as a counselor setting up my own business. I was in control. Yeah. So I was helping people, but it suited me better because I chose what hours I worked. I chose what I did here, there and everywhere. And so therefore it was a much more suitable career choice. And then as a coach, again, is more about my choice. I want to work with people that want to move forward as a counselor. That again, that was taken a bit out of my hands because I'd be sitting with people that didn't really want to get any better. Yeah. They weren't there to, to work on themselves. They were there to talk about their problems. And they were happy talking about their problems and they didn't want their problems to go away because they were so used to being in their problems. And to me, that was like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. It's not really helpful for me because I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. So therefore, when I found Discovered Coaching, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Not only can I use all my counselling skills here to understand where people are coming from, but I can work with people that are motivated to get to a conclusion, to a result, to change their lives. And I want to help them to do that. And that was, again, that was felt more aligned with who I am. And luckily, now that I've found my passion and my purpose uh, to work with people to be able to help them to do that. I think that is so valid. I love that. My mum's a counsellor. Well, she's not now, John, because she's old. She's just retired. But she was a counsellor. <laughs> and she would see the same clients for years. And as a nurse, you know, you sort of like give them medicine, give them surgery. 
and they go on. So on the outside looking in, there's always like, why are you still seeing them? Are you really rubbish? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a risk. But as a counsellor, she'd see them again, years in. You would think that sometimes as well. Yeah, because as a counsellor, she'd see the same people for like five years, whereas in sort of like clinical hypnotherapy, my regression, you do three yep. sessions, there'd be a light in their eyes, they'd make big positive changes, you know. So it's fascinating what you said, like the counselling, it's almost dragging up the past, but not wanting to change it, because that's who you are. And it's when you mm. make that one chapter of your life, your entire story, and that's where you get stuck. So I loved how you put that, because it means I'm right. But... Um, <laughs> And I also lived it. I lived exactly the same. When I was, uh, when I got into coaching, I met a coach in 2012 and they just said, I'm offering some free sessions if you want to taste a session, blah, blah, blah. So I went along and they said, so you're helping all these people? I said, yeah. And they said, why is your life still <laughs> They went, well, everything you've told me today, your life is pretty right? You're not happy. And I went, yeah. And they went, well, and I went, well, that's where I am. And they went, but that's just the story you tell yourself. Yeah. You're not moving on. You're just, you have a great understanding of yourself and what you've been through and why you feel the way that you do, but you're not doing anything with it. Yeah. And I went, yeah. And they went, let's do something with it. I went, oh, can we do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course you can. So that was it. I was hooked onto coaching after that. And I trained as a coach and have been kind of doing that to a certain degree with my counseling clients since. So before, when I got to a point, I was thinking, okay, we know where you are now. What do you want to do about it? And some people will go, nothing. Yeah. And some people go, oh, can we change this? And I go, yeah, let's, let's, let's look at this in a slightly different way. So yeah, it's been really helpful. And, and I'm so glad I met that person, that coach. And yeah. they pointed me off into a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean, like all joking aside about my mum, bless her, I love her and her little head tilt she does when she's trying to, you know do that counseling thing yeah. she does mm. counseling can be great for so many people when you want to tell the story and you're trying to make sense of it a bit like we said earlier with grief when you're trying to make sense of why did it happen and you're going through it so it works for some people but then you're not moving forward are you you're still trying to make sense of it but as you said you had a really good understanding of self and I think when you start to understand yourself whether you like yourself or not whatever you found along the way that's when you take the action so counseling can work for so many people but it's not proactive it's not creating change is it? it it can do if that's what you need so if 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 to talk about again because we're all just completely different i might talk about all my problems for three or four months and i'll come out of that session and go wow you know i feel much better now i'm not gonna do that again yeah. or i understand myself enough to know actually this is what all i all i needed i just needed to get this out um so um you know there are some forms of therapy where this therapist doesn't actually really say anything and they just nod and and yes i can see you feel like this and and that process is enough for some people to work mm -hmm. through it and move on uh but for some other people it's not so like you said counseling works for some people because that's the process of therapy is all they need uh for other people it's you need the process of the therapy but you also need to go now i need something to change i need something to aim yeah. for need your help to be able to help me to, to get me to do that so it's really good advice isn't it like to me a council wouldn't work for me well, i don't know what i talk about actually <laughs> yeah. i think you get into your late 40s you think think i'm all right really I haven't worked it out by now i'll just give up but i don't think it'd work for me but it would work for some people with the coaching thing i love it the proactive the high performance coaching like you know give yourself a deadline do this vision and i love that the proactive right. you know 
part I absolutely love it but I think yeah. it's helping people today because maybe if they start with the counselling it'll unlock something other people think actually I've got an answer now the next thing so it's all valuable exactly and that's why interpersonal relationship coaching I think is such a valuable thing is because we work on the past because the, the, the past informs your present yeah and it also informs what your future is going to be like if you don't change it. Um, so therefore, I can use the counselling to say, this is where we've come from. This is probably why you feel the way that you do. This is the impacts that that part of your life has had on you. Now we're in a space where we want to do something about it. Then the coaching will come in. The NLP kind of stuff will come in and go, okay, now let's, let's move this forward. Yeah, and the past is absolutely valid. It's why we are the way we are today. But it's just the fact that I think, you know, when people say this happened in the past, this is who I am, end of. You're like, no, your past has only defined who you are today. It's not who you could be in the future. And it is that difference almost between counselling and coaching again, isn't it? Like, absolutely, it's so valid, your past. It's what, you know, makes you amazing, makes you who you are today. But if you stay in the past, you're going to stay who you are today almost, isn't it? And like you said just now, people want to stay in that space or they need to stay in that space. Um, they're happy to say, well, this is me and you like it or you lump it. Um, or, this is who I am and I can't change because they're happy. Or, I don't know if happy is the right word. Their, their need is to remain in that space. They've got so used to being in that space that change would seem too difficult. Um, as, as you know, your brain likes certainty rather than uncertainty. So people create certainty. Well, I this, this is me and this is where I'm going to stay because I'm comfortable in this certain space of knowing exactly what's going to happen. Whereas if you say, well, how do we change this? You put them into a state of uncertainty and they go, oh, yeah. don't do that. So yeah. Just... And this reminds me again of the avoidant and the anxious type. Sort of, do you know I mean, when you've got the safe space, even if it's been on your own or been in the past, yeah. is it like they say, better the devil you know, that people would rather know the past was crap, but I know that. <laughs> that's enough for some people i would be you know if i was a cat i'd be dead john because you know curiosity killed the cat <laughs> i'd always want to know yeah but what's next what's my best life what's my next level and you know yeah. I, i'm just yeah. gonna be a dead cat in the future really i always want <laughs> i always want more yeah and your brain is telling you yeah this is how you this is how you're moving forward through your life so what's next yeah so take time to enjoy the present and say okay this is what i've done so far this has been really great i love this i'm proud of myself pat on the back indulge yourself in that moment celebrate whatever it might be that you need to do and then say okay well that was really good and that was really, okay i like that kind of feeling so what else can i do that's going to bring that yeah. on um again as long as it's not avoidant or so long as it's not self-sabotaging so you might find that you've reached a certain point and gone yeah this is okay i quite like this uh how do i ruin it <laughs> <laughs> Want to do something else uh, and step out of the space where you are happy, successful, fulfilled, and your brain says, "Yeah, but you don't deserve to be here, or you don't know whether this is good for you or not." Let's do something to ruin it, and then you're self-sabotage and you'll take yeah. yourself back out of that space to put yourself into a space where you've got to start again. So you just have to be mindful that this is a uh, what again. Come back to your patterns. What's your pattern? Are you yeah. self-sabotaging your success? Or are you just looking for the next thing to make yourself, your life better, to feel better? So we just have to check in again. And that's one of the processes that we go through. Do you think people change as they get older? Because like with myself, 
like the last two years, <laughs> I've just done the whole feel the fear and do it anyway. And it is probably my background at end of life nursing and things like that. But I, I say this thing, I get told off in the kitchen, John, I say to my family, like, realistically, I've got more years behind me than I have in front of me, which is probably true. Do you know what I mean? But they think I'm very macabre and they avoid me. Mm. But it's true. And because I'm older, I think not dignity has gone, but I don't care so much. Do you know what I mean? I just want to give everything a good go. So I know that when I go skidding into my grave sideways, that I'm just thinking, do you know what? I gave it a good try. I don't go with the what ifs if only because I've tried it all mm -hmm. do you think that's just because I'm a nutter or do you think that's because as we get older we just you know want to try it all I think that's the way that your brain works your brain has, has decided that you know everything's worth a punt um give it a go if I like it I like it if I don't I don't yeah but it's, it's worth just to see what it's like otherwise what could I be missing out on Am I going to regret not doing that? And, you know, it's, it's probably one of the worst things you can carry in life is regrets because they're absolutely pointless. Um, but, you know, if you don't give it a go, fear will hold you back. It feels like you've stepped out of that space of holding any fear and saying, no, well, you know what, I'll give it a go. If I like it, great. If I don't, then at least I've given it a go. Yeah. Uh, giving it my best shot. Who knows what's the outcome? Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a great positive mindset to have. Um, it's what Richard Branson says, isn't it? He says, says, yes, say yes to everything and then figure out how you're going to do it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit messy though, doesn't it? A bit it messy. Comes to out of that fear space yeah. because once you've said yes, once you've committed to it, you've got to find a way to follow through. Yeah. And that helps you to overcome your fear of taking chances and taking risks and changing your life. It's okay. Well, I've got to do this now because I've said yes how do I do it? And it makes your brain work in a completely different way from where you may have been before, where you probably would have said, let me think about it or no, um, because you're not sure that you want to put yourself in that position. Um, but again, unless you've said yes and see if you can do it, you're never going to know if it's possible or not. Yeah. So I think the way, I think that seems to be the way that you work. And it, it also sounds like you, you, you like a bit of variety, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Tony Robbins' six basic needs, human needs, is one of them is, is certainty. And one of them is uncertainty and variety. And it sounds like variety is something that drives you forward. Yeah. You're like you, you're, you thrive on change. Yeah, I love it. Um, so it's good. It's good that you thrive on change. It's just also just be aware of that change is not your only thing. It's you're not changing just for the sake of changing because you're not comfortable with being in a good space. So we just, again, it's just about checking in where you are. Um, and knowing whether variety is a is a good thing or whether it's just running away from something else so no, we move house a lot my husband will verify this we do move house a lot and I think I've got this gypsy blood that I need to sort of you know probably have counseling over actually but you know I always want this house and I get it I'm like well, actually no not that house but that one and I'm always doing it but okay. um, yeah I would, I would check in with that just to... <laughs> <laughs> we had an estate agent out last year because it was getting towards you know being here almost a year milestone and he was ever so polite if i'm honest john really polite and then he just sat down and he was like mrs knight i think you want to look more into your gypsy blood about why you want to sell the house because it's lovely <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my light bulb moments thinking oh, okay <laughs> so we were saying at the beginning about how it's quite easy to start these tools today like the positive self-talk and can start almost a little bit negative it's like you're all right <laughs> Yeah. And it comes back even saying the word yes. Again, it's a simple change, but all these little things can create big positive changes. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, like you said, it's just saying yes to something rather than saying no or I'll consider it or whatever. It just puts you into a different space. 
where you need to find a solution. You need to find a way of making this happen. Um, and it's quite a simple thing to do. It was massively uncomfortable. I remember when I was changing, I signed up to do a training course and it was like quite expensive. And I was sitting there filling out the credit card details on the form sweating. <laughs> but I said yes. And I was yeah. sitting there and there's no way I was sitting with all these people around me and this person looking at me while I'm filling out this form and then going, I'm not doing it. No. I said yes. I filled out the form, but I was sweating while I was doing it because I thought I can't afford this. I don't know what it's going to bring to my life. I don't know how it's going to work out. Do I really want to do it? And all of these questions started coming, coming to my mind. And I thought, no, I've said yes. I need to go through with this now and see what it brings. And it brought quite a lot. So I'm very, very, very pleased um, that I said yes to that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in the space that I am now. I absolutely love it. Like the yes, the self-talk. I absolutely love it. I could talk to you all day. You probably think I have been talking to you all day. Get off, Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stuff. You could, we could talk to you. I like to say, I <laughs> so how can people find you? Not your personal address. I mean, like on social media. <laughs> God, well, stalkers are us. <laughs> I don't actually work out of my home office. So, so yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, also, I've got two offices in uh, Chesant in Hertfordshire and in Hertford in Hertfordshire. Um, but I work a lot online. So I work with people over the country. And I've actually got one of my clients who's moved to Australia. So I still talk to them out there at the moment. Um, so they can just go to uh, johnkennycoaching.com uh, to my website. If they want to have a contact there, just fill out the contact form, send me a message. Um, or they can just book in for a, a free strategy call uh, from my Calendly link. Um, I'm all over social media. So if you just put John Kenny Coaching in, you should be able to find me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, just go out and find me. <laughs> Fabulous. I think you're great. I just love all the things you're taught. So I'm going to put it all in the show notes and people can find you and your book and everything. But John Kenny, you've been fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>